Good evening. How are you guys doing? Hope you're doing well. If you're not, it's okay. I'm glad you're here. I know it can be tough sometimes, uh, but you're here. You made it. And uh, I'm excited about what God's going to show us tonight. Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about how to build a marriage that lasts a lifetime. Now, that's a big question, isn't it? How to build a marriage that will last a lifetime. That's a million dollar, if not billion dollar question that's worked to be answered in our society. If you think about it, there's numerous conferences, books, everything that's been written on how to crack the code of marriage because I think it's one of the most difficult things that we can do. I think it's humanity, the institution of marriage is one of the most challenging things that we could ever do, but it's also the most rewarding. It can also be the most rewarding. It'll cost you more than you ever expected. But the reward is so great that it's absolutely worth it. So we're gonna be looking at that tonight. And again, I, I don't feel like necessarily I'm a marriage expert by, by any means. I've been married 10 years. I've got a wonderful wife. Uh, we wouldn't still be married if she wasn't so great. I'm gonna tell you that up front. I've made a lot of mistakes, but I've done a lot of things right too. And we're gonna go through some of that tonight. And I may not know all the great things that some of these guys that speak at these conferences do know, but I know the word of God. And I know what the Bible says about marriage because the Bible is the textbook when it comes to marriage. If you're filling out your note card, that is the first one there. The Bible is the textbook on marriage. I had an old wise man who I love very, very much. He's a grandfather of the faith towards me. When I was 18 years old, one of the things he told me that has stuck with me today is he said, Patrick, you need to read this book more than you read any other book. And I thought about that, and I, I thought about, about to go into college. There's a lot of books and things that I'm gonna be reading, and it's stuck with me ever since. Is there a book that I'm reading more than this book? And when it comes to marriage, this book has the answers that we need. And let me ask you this question. If you were to summarize the whole Bible, using one verse, which verse would you use? I think most people uh, would say John three sixteen, right? I mean, that is the most uh, well-known verse across all the world. We know John three sixteen. it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have everlasting life. I think that would be, a great verse to use to summarize the Bible. But if you were to use the main two words in this scripture to summarize the verse that could summarize the Bible, what two words would you use? A lot of people may say, God so loved. But the main subject and the main verb is God so loved that he gave. He gave. I think that's, a really good word, and that's really what God has done. He's given us life. He's given himself to us. He's given us salvation, redemption. We serve a giving God who loves us, who forgives us of our sins. So if God so loved, he was motivated by love that he gave. And if you look in Ephesians chapter five, verse 25 through 29, that's where we're gonna be uh, tonight. That's the central passage here. I think this is the ultimate marriage passage. Uh, this is a good one. And in um, five, uh, chapter five, verse 25, it says, for husbands, this means love your wives 
just as Christ loved the church, that he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean. Washed by the cleansing of God's word, he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. For God so loved that he gave. And it's our call to love just like Jesus loves. It's our job is to love our wives just like Jesus loves the church. Let me ask you this question. How much did Jesus love the church? Think about it. How much did Jesus love his church? How much did Jesus love you? And how much does he love me? So much so that he's willing to give his life for us. He gave it all. He surrendered it all. He sacrificed it all for us. And so if that's the same call that we're supposed to have towards our wives, then the biggest thing that we can do, and I think the biggest key to having a marriage that lasts a lifetime, I think it's one word, and that word sacrifice. The key to building a marriage that lasts a lifetime is sacrifice. Sacrifice is such a key ingredient in marriage. It's essential, it's important, and we must do it. Sacrifice looks like a lot of different things. Uh, the biggest enemy of sacrifice is selfishness. And a lot of us are selfish. I know my, myself and, and how I can be selfish and many, many times. I'm constantly have to deny myself. And, and it's easy to get that way, isn't it, guys? It's easy to be selfish. But if you're a selfish person, marriage is gonna test you in a lot of ways. You, you know it? I mean, you guys, you've been there. You understand when you are selfish, this tests every selfish fiber in your being. And if you think marriage is hard, then have kids. <laughs> when you have kids, you're really tested in the area of selfishness. So selfishness is the biggest, um, is the biggest enemy of sacrifice. But sacrifice looks like a lot of things. In my household right now, what sacrifice looks like is when I get home from work, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, um, and I get home and I'm ready to go home and kick my feet up and you know watch the game or get on my phone and see what's going on in the world. Uh, but then I see my wife and she's standing in the kitchen. There's a pile of dirty dishes and the kids are running around the house. They still need to be bathed and put in bed. And sacrifice looks like, you know what? I'm gonna deny my need. I'm not gonna go sit in that chair. I've had a hard day, but honey, I know you have too. So I'm gonna clean the dishes. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take care of that or I'm gonna own bath time or I'm gonna own bedtime. And that's just the season of life I'm in. It looks like so many different things. But we constantly have to lay down our lives for our wives. It's so important. It's the essential ingredient. And one way sacrifice, one of the things I think it really looks like is in a fight. We've all been there. We've all had a time where, you know, we, we get torn apart from our wives. Something comes between us. There's an argument there's something that somebody did to somebody else and someone thinks they're right and someone else thinks they're right and probably both wrong, um, but you know those standoffs that you can have. And you, so you get upset and you're not talking to one another and you decide, you know what, uh, I'm not sure how we're gonna get over this, but we've gotta get over this. 
And let me tell you, the, the person that looks like Christ the most in that situation is the person who moves first. The person who moves towards reconciliation first is the one who looks the most like Christ. I want you to think about this. When Jesus went to go die on the cross for your sins, for my sins, did he wait for us to repent first? Did he wait for us to move in and, and love him and worship him first? Absolutely not. He did, I mean, the whole world had denied Christ. Everyone had turned against him. But he was still willing to lay down his life. He didn't know if someone was gonna worship him, if somebody wasn't. He just knew, I love these people. I'm gonna lay down my life. Christ moved first. And in the same way, when they're in the midst of a fight, the person who's the most like Christ is the one who's willing to sacrifice being right, sacrifice pride, sacrifice you know, having the upper hand, and to say, you know what? Let's come together. You know, let's, let's, let's move towards reconciliation. That's what sacrifice looks like. So I've been through a, a very difficult season of my life. If you were here a few weeks ago, I got to share and I talked a lot about uh, the circumstances that we've been through the last couple of years. And there was some moments where I, I didn't know if our marriage was gonna survive. It was tough. It was very, very difficult. And I love my wife more than anything else, but there was such a wedge driven between us by the enemy that it was very difficult to overcome. She looked at me in a different way that I'd never seen before. It was a huge climb. It was gonna be a fight to be able to get my wife back. And, and here's some keys that I believe that I had you know, instituted in my life and that I used in our marriage that really brought us back together again. And here's three needs and three ways uh, that we need to sacrifice for our wives. And the first area is communication. This is a tough one for a lot of men. You know, I, I, I can communicate up here, but for some reason, I have a very difficult time communicating when I get home. For whatever reason, I just wanna veg out, you know, it's easy for me just to go about my business, work around the house and not always communicate with my wife. But is essential, she needs it. Women connect through communication. Women connect through communication. I've learned this about my wife, that if I will sit down and I will listen to her, not just hear her, but put my phone away, look her in the eyes and actually listen to her, that our marriage strengthens every time I do that. And I've made this challenge for myself. You know what, I'm gonna listen to my wife at least 30 minutes a day. 30 minutes where she has my undivided attention, where I'm asking her questions and, and I'm, I'm telling her about my life and how I feel and what I'm experiencing. And it's very, very important. It's essential. When we uh, begin to you know, be torn apart, and some of you might be in that place right now, I, I acknowledge that, that some marriages are, trying to be torn apart. You know, uh, others of you uh, have experienced heartache within marriage and we're not here to cast judgment on anybody, guys. There's grace in the kingdom for whatever mistakes you've made. What you did in the past is not who you are today. But one way you can begin moving back towards your wife is through communication. You know, I, uh, we were at the time living with my in-laws. I didn't have a, a dollar to my name. I had a lot of debt and that was a, and we, 
you know, is, is humility and have to move back to with her family and live with them just so that our family could be provided for and taken care of. And one of my uh, assignments that my father-in-law gave me, he said, all right, you're gonna be here, then you're gonna own the pool. The pool is yours. I want it clean and I want it looking great. And that's gonna be your responsibility. And I loved it because I, if you've ever had a pool or you've ever cleaned a pool, I don't know about you, but I absolutely love it. I love getting the net and getting all this stuff out. And as I was spending time doing the, you know, the job in the pool, guys, I was in a desperate season of my life. I was struggling. I was asking God, God, how can I bring my wife back? How can I get her back? And I remember getting that net and cleaning out that pool, and I felt like God was saying to me, Patrick, this pool is like your wife's heart. And the enemy is throwing so many lies and so much junk in there, and she's picking up so much junk that's flooding the areas of her heart that you need a shock treatment. And every day then you need to go through and you need to make sure that you're cleaning out the pools of her heart. And the way you do that is through communication. And so every night I made sure that we sat on that back patio and we talked. Even when she didn't wanna talk, even when I didn't feel like talking, when it had been easier just to you know, watch TV or go climb in bed, I made sure that we spent time communicating with one another. And it was essential. It was incredible what God did through that. And it's important that we do that and we take time to do that for our kids. If you have kids in the room and your kids go to school, they're, they're getting so much exposure to so much trash that it's important when they come home to spend time with them and really feel out and, and, and look at the pool of their heart and be able to get those things out. And guys, on the, on the other side of things, we, we need that. You need that. You may not know that you need that, but you absolutely do to open up and have someone that you can trust to talk about what you're going through, what, what you're feeling at work, what's happening in your life. It's very, very important. Communication is important. The next thing that's important is leadership. Women need leadership. Our wives need leaders. We must lead our houses. And let me, let me kind of describe how leadership is and what it's not. Leadership is not domination. It's initiation. There's a big difference. If you've ever had a boss that led by domination, you probably knows, you know what it feels like. It doesn't feel great. And, and you know, I've, I've been in those times where I'm in a meeting and there's a very dominating leader and everybody's kind of scared to speak up and to speak their mind. And I, you know, I know that you know, I'm, I'm an intellectual guy. I've got things to offer the team. But in those moments when you're with a dominating leader, it stifles creativity. It's, it's hard to speak up. You're afraid you're gonna say something wrong and everybody's gonna, your boss is gonna shame you. And, and that's never a way that you'd wanna live. That's not a way I would wanna live. And I realized that in the first couple of years of my marriage, I was doing that to my wife. My wife is brilliant. You know, I, she's an incredible person and she's smarter than me in so many ways. And, and I had to be right about everything. And I made it a point to make her wrong about anything and everything. And what I realized was I was dominating our marriage. And leadership is not domination, it's initiation. Our wives need us to initiate in so many different ways. They need us to initiate and lead in the area of spirituality. There is a lie in our culture that women are more spiritual than men. It's true, it, it, this, this is a lie that exists throughout many, many churches that I've been a part of, that women somehow are more spiritual than men. 
And my wife is very spiritual. She loves to worship, she loves to sing. She writes these journals that are just incredible. I, I read some of her journals and she just writes these beautiful letters to God. And she gets so much out of her quiet time with him that I'm like, man, I don't know that I'm as spiritual as my wife. But I felt like the Lord showed me that there's more than just journaling and, and praying and, and reading scripture and, and worshiping that, that is an actual expression of worship that makes someone spiritual. That if expressed correctly, fishing, golf, being outside, camping, those things are equally as spiritual. I felt like I'd get an amen when I said fishing is spiritual. But it, it, it can be. You know, if you use it as an expression to God, if that's one way that you connect with God is by getting out on the lake, catching some fish, you're spiritual. It doesn't mean that someone else is more spiritual than you because they can write these beautiful journals and things like that. Men, you're spiritual beings. God desires to connect with each and every one of you, and there's many, many ways that he does that, and each man is different but we're not less spiritual than our wives. And we need to initiate, we need to lead in the areas of spirituality. What that looks like is being the one that gets the family up to go to church. Our wives should never have to drag us and our kids to church. We should always be up first, helping get our kids ready, helping to make it easy on our wife, because you know she has a little bit more work to do to get ready for church than you do. If you're anything like me, just throw on the clothes, maybe a little hair product, on to church. You know, her, it's, a, it's an event. <laughs> it's an event that has to take place together. So it's, you know, I wanna take care of the kids. I wanna make sure we go to church, that I'm initiating going to church, that I'm initiating and leading and serving and all of those things. Because when I do that, my wife loves it. I'm leading her spiritually. We also need to pray with our wives. Have you ever heard the saying that a couple that prays together stays together? It's true. It's absolutely true that if we will pray with our wives, that it will create a unique connection, a very deep and profound connection. When you hear your wife cry out to God and whatever's laid on her heart, you'll know more things about her. And when she hears your heart towards God, there is something powerful, gentlemen, that happens when we pray with our wives. Yet I think Satan is doing everything he can to keep us from doing that. And so I, I challenge you to work that into whatever you're doing on a daily basis. And it may be uncomfortable at first because maybe you haven't led in that area in a long time, but do it. Start today because it will strengthen your marriage in a, in a huge way. We have to lead our wives financially. I learned this the hard way. My, my first, uh, I'm gonna, I'll be honest, my first nine and a half years of marriage, I did not lead in, in the areas of finance. I made money. I was the, the main breadwinner for our family, but when it came time to bring the money home. She organized where it went and how much we spent and what we bought. She managed the budget and I, I didn't mind. You know, I knew that she had a household, many ways to run and whatever she needed to do with our money, that's great. But there were many times where she would make a mistake and we would overdraft or we would, you know, not have enough money in our budget that month to do something. And I remember many times almost shaming her for the mistakes that she made. And it wasn't until we went through Financial Peace University, how many of you guys went through that? Quite a few of you, I bet, that I learned, you know what, I need to lead in the area of my finances. I need to make sure that I'm going through that with her, that I'm a part of balancing the budget with her. I'm a part of making those essential financial decisions to where she doesn't feel the weight of it on her shoulders, that we share that burden together. It's extremely important. So we need to initiate and lead in the area of finances. We need to lead in the area of disciplining the kids. 
Again, I speak from a perspective right now, I've got young kids. But, you know, my wife needs to be able to say to my kids, you just wait until your dad gets home. You guys know what I'm talking about? You might remember that from your childhood. But if she can't say that, if she can't tell my kids, you just wait until your dad gets home, and if that doesn't strike the fear of God in their hearts, then I'm not doing my job. That's exactly what, my wife has to discipline her kids all day long, because she takes care of them while I'm at work. But when I get home, I need to make sure that my kids are respecting and honoring my wife, that they're treating her the way I would treat her, and that I'm disciplining, and I'm a hand of discipline, that I'm initiating that in our marriage. Here's another way that we have to lead our wives. This is a tough one for a lot of you, and I get it. We have to initiate and lead our wives in the area of romance. This is important. It's absolutely important that we lead our wives in the area of romance. Something I was told, and I love this saying, is to never stop dating your wife. Never stop dating for your wife. Remember remember the first time you took your wife out on a date? I do. I remember when we started dating, you know, I cleaned up the car. It looked great. I made sure and put on the nicest clothes I had. You know, I was extremely respectful. I brought flowers to the door, nice to the parents. I took her to downtown Fort Worth and I let her pick any restaurant she wanted to go to. And, you know, I, I just, I did everything I could to impress this girl. And for some reason, as we go throughout marriage, it's easy to grow complacent and it's easy to not do those things anymore. But it's extremely important. And here's something I've learned too. It gets difficult because it's difficult financially. Right now, if I wanna take my wife on a date, I have to get a babysitter to cover our three kids. I mean, it's like $100 just to go see a movie. But some people that are a lot older and wiser than me, they say, well, Patrick, it costs a lot less than divorce. Okay, good point. <laughs> That's a really good point. And so we have to date our wives. And somebody else, I love what they told me this. They said, don't only put it on your calendar to, to set a date night, but actually calendar an hour of time before you have that date night just to plan it out, just to the T. Don't go to the same old spot. Don't go to do the same thing you always do. Really find a place to go that you've never been. Put time and effort into it. Write down questions that you're gonna ask her, ways that you're gonna communicate her, with her. We have to be our, an expert when it comes to our wives. We need to know everything about them, what they love, what, what, what really you know, pushes their buttons, all those things to make sure that we're initiating in the area of romance. So our wives need communication, they need leadership, and they need security. We have to be able to offer our wives security. Now, I know that this is a tough one for many of you. When I think about it, I felt like this last year, I I failed in this area. I started to talk to the Lord about it when I was putting this together, and I was like, you know, I don't know that I did everything I was supposed to do to help my wife feel secure when we were going through all this. But I felt like the Lord grabbed me by the shirt and looked me in the eyes and said, you did a great job. And I thought, well, how, God, we lost her house, we lost everything. How, how, how was I giving my wife security in those moments? He said, Patrick, you were faithful, you were hardworking, and you were dependable. And we need to be hardworking, faithful, and dependable men. We need to be hardworking, faithful, and dependable men. You know, I was so stressed out and so worried about providing for my family. And I believe God showed me, listen, you know, 
you, you aren't the provider for your family. I'm the provider. You can trust in me. You're not supposed to carry that role. When you take on the burden as the provider for your family and something goes wrong and you're on the edge of bankruptcy or you've lost a job or work has dried up, there is so much anxiety and fear that the enemy can begin throwing at a man and I know exactly what that feels like. But I believe God said, you know, I'm your provider. God is our provider. Our job is to work hard and steward every moment of it. I didn't have a lot of opportunity as soon as we got back and we'd gone through all this. So, you know, I went door to door, which isn't very fun. Some of you have been in those shoes. I went door to door trying to sell roofs. Uh, When I wasn't selling roofs, I had my car. I turned it into a taxi cab by Ubering just to make any money I could. I went 14 hours, 15 hours sometimes Ubering just to bring in enough money to make the car payment and cover some other bills. And, and that's what you have to do. You have to steward every opportunity that God gives you. No matter what it is, you work hard, you're faithful to your wife, you're not cheating on your wife by looking at things you're not supposed to, you're not cheating on her by talking to the secretary at work, you're faithful, you're dependable, and when you're hardworking, faithful, and dependable, your wife will feel secure even in the midst of a storm, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it seems like the world is falling down around you and your family, if you're faithful, if you're hardworking, and you're dependable, you'll get through those hard times. Here's something else I believe God told me in that moment. Patrick, I'm your provider, and I care more about taking care of your family than you do. I care more about taking care of your family than you do. And here I am so stressed out, so full of anxiety, figuring out how I gotta get out of my in-law's house and how we gotta get back on our feet. And God was showing me your family's been taken care of. And it may not be what you want it to look like, but you have to understand something, Patrick. I care more about taking care of your family than you do. God is our provider. He's the one that ultimately offers us security as head of us. God offers us security then that we can begin to provide for our wives. So sacrifice, it's a key ingredient. It's what we must do at every chance that we get. And I know it costs a lot and it's hard. It's hard to sacrifice by communicating and leading and offering security in all these different areas. But guys, look up at me. I made a lot of mistakes and I've made a lot of sacrifices. And let me tell you something, it's absolutely worth it. Everything I've ever done for my wife has been absolutely worth it. She is my best friend. And I don't know that I'd be alive today if it wasn't for Meredith Thurman. She has been a rock to me. She's been my best friend when I didn't feel like I had any friends. And I'll tell you guys, if you'll take every moment, every opportunity you can to invest in your wives, if you'll invest in them and you'll sacrifice for them, there'll be a great reward for you and you'll understand what it is to have a relationship with God at an even deeper level when you learn to do these things with your wife. God created marriage, he knows. He knew it wasn't good for man to be alone. He knew he needed to help her. And we see God's reflection and marriage when we do it his way, when we're willing to give up our lives for our wives. You guys bow your heads and close your eyes. 
And I just want you to take a moment. It's just you and God. And I want you to ask God tonight, God, what are you saying to me through this message? There may be some of you that your marriage is really suffering and you feel further away from your wife than you ever have in your life. And I believe God is a God who heals marriages and I believe that he can put something in your life. He can deposit something into you right now that would impact your marriage. And if you're single in this room, ask God tonight to just download all this into your heart that you could use one day Continue to ask God, God, what are you saying to me tonight? God, I thank you for every man in this room. And Jesus, we're so grateful that you loved us so much that you were willing to give up your life for us. And God, may that reality strengthen us in such a way that we would show that same amount of grace, that same amount of sacrifice and love and passion to our wives. That we would take every moment to sacrifice for them. Lord, that we would be an extension of your hands, of your heart in our marriages. God, I pray for every marriage in this room tonight. I don't know where everybody's at, but God, I know that you are a God of redemption, of restoration, of healing, and that God, you are active in every man's life in this room. And so God, I pray that they would see your faithfulness, that they would see your goodness, and God, that you could heal marriages that are being torn apart. God, I ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, I hate to interrupt because I know you guys are having some good conversation. I'm just gonna have a few more things and then you're free to stay and talk as long as you need to, but we'll be officially dismissed. I didn't really get to share the redemption side of the story and what my wife and I are walking through, but in a couple of weeks, we're gonna renew our vows. And I'm very, very excited about that. A couple of weeks ago, I was able to take her uh, on a vacation, we did a vision retreat, we went to San Francisco, beautiful place, got to see a lot of great things. And I, I learned in that moment that, you know, she is my best friend. It's easy to get caught up in all the stresses and everything that's going on in life. And when you got kids, it's, you, you start focusing your time and attention on them and you forget, you know, how much you, you love your spouse and that, you know, you're actually, uh, she's actually your friend and that, you know, I'm so grateful I get to spend my rest, the rest of my life with her. And so I've got some homework for you guys. This is just a challenge. Um, and, and these are some great things. I was saying, do some homework. What are all of your wife's favorites? If you don't know all of her favorites, begin to find out what's her favorite candy bar? What, what's her favorite place to eat? All of those things. Become the expert on your wife. Here's another one. Challenge yourself to actively listen and communicate with your wife at least 30 minutes a day. Pursue our heart for 30 minutes. And some of you are thinking, well, 30 minutes is gonna turn into an hour and a half. <laughs> I know this is dangerous stuff we're talking about here. But just set a goal, 30 minutes. Calendar and prepare to take your wife on a date. I, I love that, I think it's great advice. You know, that's something you can begin doing. 
uh, today. Uh, consider taking your wife on a vision retreat. That's what my wife and I did. Uh, we look back the last 10 years, all the mistakes, all the good stuff, how God's hand of faithfulness was with us each step of the way. We looked at the next 10 years. I mean, you know, my kids are gonna be, you know, 17, 15, 13, what we'd hope to see them accomplish and what we hope for their future and some goals to help us get there. That's a really great thing to do. It doesn't matter what age you are, to, for you to get away and to hear from God and say, what, what do we want for the future of our marriage? And God's not through with us yet. He's got a purpose and a plan in mind for us. So what can we do together to accomplish God's vision for our lives? Uh, and then take every opportunity to sacrifice for. We talked about it, it's important. I hope you'll begin to do it. And the last thing I'm gonna say, it wasn't even on the notes because I forgot to include it, but this is really important. Guys, you need the guys in this room. You need them. You need godly men in your life that you're in a relationship with if you ever wanna make it in marriage. And I was so lucky that when I was in the midst of everything that we were going through, that I had a man in my life who was willing to drive all the way from Houston and sit before my wife and I and say, listen, God's not through with you yet. And all the bad things you're believing about your husband right now aren't true. And this is all just Satan and his way to try to destroy your marriage. And that kind of godly influence from another man who was in relationship with me and my wife is valuable. It is, it is extremely important. So these guys in this room, if you don't have their numbers, if you don't know them yet, get to know them, spend some time together because you need the men in this room if you're ever gonna make it. We need our brothers in Christ if we're ever gonna withstand all that Satan's gonna throw at us. You guys believe that? Good, good. Well, I pray that the Lord will bless you, that he will keep you, that his face will shine upon you, that he will turn his face towards you and give you grace. You guys have a great evening.